last night, um, Lou and I were hanging out and uh, we, we were going to try out a Stardew Valley co-op run. Um, but Laura, previous guest, a uh, friend of the show and my housemate, was like downstairs doing stuff. Um, and I didn't want to like, you know, be like loudly playing Stardew Valley while she was trying to do work or whatever. But it's on PS5 and there's no cross-platform play. So um, I decided, I was like, all right, I'm going to set up the remote play app on my desktop PC and then I'll like be able to play it while I'm just on the, on a video call with her. It, you know, it was already like a complicated enough setup because like I'm streaming the PS5 to my PC, we're on a video call, so I need to like listen to the PC audio and also be having... So I've got the same setup as I have with the podcast where I'm like wearing one pair yeah. of headphones over another pair of headphones so that I can hear both of Great. them. And then um, I get a call from Laura while I'm on the video call with Lou and I'm like, what's... And so I bring up Messenger on the PC and she's like... Um, <laughs> Hey, I can I can hear your conversation. Everything's coming through <laughs> because we joined the party and the the TV was on. And so Oh, what the fuck? Lou's controller was picking up her cuz we joined a party it automatically joins voice. And so Lou's controller microphone was picking up her talking and me coming through her phone speaker and it was streaming <laughs> all of it. <laughs> Through the television downstairs, and neither of us had any idea. So I was like, "Oh, Lou, has you been talking about anything scandalous yet?" No, no, no. We were yeah. literally just talking like, about Stardew. Every every Stardew combo is pure smut. Yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> only the national security secrets that I'm making sure that I tell uh, my partner. But yeah, um, it was so funny just getting this call from from my housemate, and she's being like, "I can hear everything you're saying." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, Lou, press the mic button on your controller. Like, it's coming oh. through the downstairs TV. Welcome once again aboard Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. I am Andrew, and I am very impressed that despite it having been a an unintentional hiatus, you still, you're coming straight out the gate. In peak oh, form with the intro. I was about to start, instead of doing the intro, I was about to do the news music. I was about to go like, yeah, you forget that we edit in the music every time. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's been a little while. Uh, I feel like, uh, so we, we've just been busy. I feel like this is the last few times that we've been talking, we, we drop an app, we, we do this chat about why it's been so long. Yeah. Uh, Andrew's moved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am recording on location from from beautiful Preston, Melbourne. Oh yeah, uh, I'm still in Canberra, so we've just had lots of life bullshit go on in the last few months. You went to you went to New York, baby. <laughs> That's right. I, I went a little holiday. Um, uh, some of my favorite podcasts, the, the little little podcasts, um, they just fizzle out and stop posting new apps one day. Yeah. And I have them in my feed and I think, oh, fuck, I wonder what's happening to them. Mm. Uh, and I think, man, if I if I had a podcast, I wouldn't just stop posting one day. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, and then it's been a few months and then we hadn't posted anything in ages. And I thought, oh, I completely get it. It's <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, I, I get a similar level of disappointment when a podcast is kind of... Or when you get into, like, someone wrecks a podcast for you and you're like, oh, fuck yeah. yeah. And then you, you, like, subscribe to them and you're like... Sick, I'm going to listen to the latest episode. It was like last episode released, like June 2019. You're like, oh, fuck. All right, well, 
I don't want to get into it now. Like, there's no. It's clearly dead. Yeah. Yeah. So I. I, I <laughs> so we don't have a super huge amount prepared here. It's a catch up of what we've been watching in the last little while. So I suppose for all you beef heads, for all you uh, stationers, big, big big time fans, have we got a name for our our, our two or three fans? I think we just name them by name, right? We- <laughs> yeah, we just address them by their first names. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we go like Dave, Marin, how you going? Yeah. Here we are. <laughs> Hello. Nice to chat to you again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um uh I feel like we would put out a final app that's like a farewell app if we ever did a farewell. Yeah. Uh but until then you just have to keep guessing. You you have to keep us in your little ch- in your little podcast app being like it's been four months. Have they forgotten about us? Have they abandoned it forever? Or is it just a long time between drinks? Well, so just, I mean, I don't want to fucking get anyone's, uh, you know, get anyone too too excited or too riled up or anything. But um, my, yeah, I've been extremely busy uh, with the moving process and kind of like splitting my time nearly 50-50 between Canberra and Melbourne. But that's all pretty settled down now or will be within the next month or so and so you're like i don't want to get the listeners too excited but i've had a lot of stuff going on i've had to move house like fuck listeners love hearing about our logistics so i don't want to get you too excited but boy oh boy do i have a hell of a debrief for you but i would love to be doing an app every fortnight like we used to so i think we'll we'll try and get back into that kind of routine like we used to for a brief window (laughs) yeah well we were pretty good for a while there but yeah i've got i've got more more time now so i think we just need to do a little i'll um be I'll good send you a, a little it. Google Calendar invite, and then we'll just do it. Fuck yeah! Every two that weeks. would actually rule. I, I fuck. I love my Google Calendar. All I right. know. Yeah, um, I'm getting into so it. So here we are. It has been ages. So the last time we spoke uh, was in I think June. Uh, yeah. And I had watched broadcast news, which I yep. loved, and you had watched a whole bunch of TV, and it was like a little debrief. What have we watched? Type app. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what we're doing again. Um, we never ended up doing a. Barbie Oppenheimer episode. Mm. Uh, we've both watched both of those since then. That's how long it's fucking been since we've watched an episode, uh, since we've recorded an episode. And we've watched a bunch of other stuff. I watched stuff on the plane yep. uh, on the way back from my holiday. Um, I don't think this is going to be a Barbenheimer episode, but I suppose we could start there. Oh, wait. Before we do that, let's let's return oh, fuck, that's right. to our, our most divisive segment, which is the mm-hmm. random Wikipedia article for some banter at the top Here of we the go. episode. Okay, sorry. I can't remember what we did last I think last time it was a Dutch was, royal or something, right? That's right. It was some yeah. someone some sort of like member of uh the Venetian uh parliament or someone. Yeah, yeah. His name was like Justin Justin or like Jabodi Al Jabodi or he was <laughs> It was probably yeah, Justin like, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably right, it. Giorgio di Giorgio or something. If he's it was, Venetian. It, that might have literally been it. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Okay. So, <laughs> okay, random Wikipedia article of the week. Mouse over Here the random go. Wikipedia article button. So, Laura, we'll put a timestamp in the description so that you can skip forward past this bit. Okay. Here we go. Let's go. Okay. We have landed on the 2018, so oh. recent, West okay. Coast Conference Men's Basketball <laughs> Tournament. <laughs> Why is it always sport? This is the sport shit. Division one. So I don't know what that means, Ooh, well, but there you go. Yep. Division oh, one's an good. NCAA division, the highest level of Ooh. intercollegiate athletes sanctioned by the National Collegiate Athletic Association in the United States. So there you go. Okay, so this is an American but so this is like NBA? No, it's below NBA. 
it is not NBA, so I don't know if it's a different league or if it's a... Okay, for the West Coast Conference, known as the California Basketball Association, Collegiate Athletic Conference, affiliated with the NCAA. So, what do, What the NCAA? Is that like the national... Okay, so this not- is this is not... This is a high school... This is like a college-level tournament. These are college basketball teams, I think. So, it's not NBA. I was thinking of the NAACP. Yeah. <laughs> <No>, that's, <laughs> that's very different. And also, just to, like- just to rescue you from the front of that bus, I also had the same thought. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, is that Carl? Are we allowed? Oh no, I can't. <laughs> yeah, you're like, is, okay. that the, so, is this related to the NBA? Because uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, no. Okay, it's just um, so, it's just college okay, so, basketball. So a West Coast bu- college basketball, right? Okay, so yeah. it's Californian, a, a Californian. So is this a season? So when you say a conference, I assume it's like a whole season of basketball, and they're calling it a conference for some random reason. Well, this is the 2018 tournament. Was the post? No, the Americans doing their fucking sport thing where they have postseason, preseason, season, season, all that kind of stuff. So, so what uh, did we get? Yeah, the first sentence here is answering your question. The 2018 West, Con- West Coast Conference Men's Basketball Tournament was the postseason men's basketball tournament for oh, the West Coast fuck. Conference for the 2017 to 2018 season. All tournament games, this is interesting, were played at the Orleans <laughs> Arena in Paradise, Nevada from wow. in March 2018. But it's a Californian conference, isn't it? Uh, yeah, but oh, I guess it's probably national now, but yeah, it started off in California. Right. Um, so how, how many days does this conference go for? Four days this tournament was, yeah. Oh, okay. So re- it's really not. So this is a. This isn't like a whole season of basketball. This is like just the postseason. This a is just games. a. There's a tourney played. Yeah, uh, between okay. there were ten teams. All right. Okay. What's, so, what kind of teams we got? Talk to me. What do we got? Well, do you want to know who won? Because this is this is important. no. We're gonna, we're gonna guess who won. Okay. All right. All so ten teams. All ten teams are eligible to compete in the conference tournament. Fucking obviously. Great. The top six teams received a first round bye. Teams were seeded by the record within the conference, so based on their placings during the main season, with a tiebreaker system to seed teams with identical conference records. Okay. So, we have... I'm going to have to randomize the order because okay, this is... sorry. No, I don't want to hear all 10 teams. I want to hear... I assume they all have like a mascot, like the Raptors or the Pirates or whatever. Uh, I want to- yeah, probably. I want to hear your, your top three favorite teams based on their names alone. Okay. Well, they're all fucking named after um, the universities. So, let me check their their logos. <laughs> oh, no. They all also have really shit logos. Okay. I don't know about mascots. I don't think I'm not. I've clicked okay, on we- every team's page. The Wii page. Store music's about to play. None of them have mascots. All right. So, uh, I will give you the top three and what their, what okay. their score was. Okay. So, the top three. In third place, BYU Cougars. Bring that, your oh, that's bring the Cougars. your own Cougars. <laughs> yeah, that, the mascot is the Cougars. Well, I guess so, but it's just, their name just comes up as BYU. So I've moused over it and discovered more information. That's Brigham Young. Those are Mormons. All right. Uh, so BYU. Yep, the Cougars. That's, that's so they Mormons. came third. That was eleven. I I don't know why you're saying Mormons, but I believe you if that's fact. That's the Brigham Young University. It's the Mormon University. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. Well, yeah. Then they must be. So, you know. Who knew? Mormons, decent at basketball. Yeah. Um, I'm actually surprised by that. Well, they came third with an 11-7 conference record. So, wow, um, not bad. Uh, second place went to St. Mary's Gales. Um, well, those are the Gales. Do you know, like, uh, are you saying this like I should know it? 
No, I'm saying I asked for the I asked for the mascots, and you said that like they don't have the mascots. But then you're reading out the team names and the the name of the. So I scrolled through the their article. The mascot for the previous one was the Cougars, and the mascot for this one is the Gales. So, so you do have the the, the list I'm looking at on the tournament. Just has you don't know shit. It just has what school they're from. And then I clicked on the page and right. I quickly looked for a photo or a picture of a mascot and there wasn't any. Okay, so now that right. I've looked at their full extended team name, they also have a word and right. I'm describing the team name. All right, so we've got the Cougars. Right. We've got the Gales, G-A-E-L-S, as in Gaelic. Well, under- I remember why I don't podcast with you anymore, actually. Uh-huh. I'm, about to, <laughs> I'm about to end recording. Uh <laughs> I'm doing all the fucking work here, okay? I'm Dave oh, from the Dollop, yeah. and you are being look, a shit cunt, Don't little Gareth. redhead me. You're like, look, I clicked random Wikipedia article. I'm reading the article. Yeah, out. <laughs> exactly. And all I'm getting is resistance. Okay, so yeah, we've got the the Cougars from BYU, the Gales yeah. from St. Mary, and that's G-A-E-L-S, as in like Gaelic. So mm. that's pretty weird. Um, that's quite weird. So Cougars had an 11-7 record. The... Uh, Gales had a 16-2 record. Very impressive. I don't know what that means. Don't care. As in 16 wins, two losses. Whereas the third team had 11 wins, seven losses. Um, But absolutely blitzing the league were the Gonzaga Bulldogs. So the Bulldogs taken at home once again. And uh, at the top of the article, it says, regular season champion Gonzaga... That's the Bulldogs. Won the tournament, and with yep. it, the conference's automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. So the Bulldogs were expected winner, and they absolutely smashed it with a seventeen-one record. Damn! So. Well, congrats to the, Gulldo- the Bulldogs. Yeah, right. there you go. Now that you've unlocked the secret to this article of understanding what the mascot names are, uh huh. Are there any other ma- before we bury this and let Laura join the podcast? All right, I'll, again, I'll go are, through. The are other there team any names. mascots that really jump out? No, I just want to hear. One or two notable ones. Well, I got a fucking mouse over them all anyway. So, all right. We got the San Francisco Dons. Not bad. The Kings. I like that. Uh, The Mm. Pacific Tigers. That's fucking lame. The San Diego Toreros, which might be like a... What's a Torero? Yeah, I don't know. It sounds like a Hispanic word that I don't know. Yep. Uh, The Santa Clara Broncos. That sucks too. The Loyola Marymount Lions also sucks. Having an animal as your team name... Whatever. Boring. Well, I like the alliteration on that. Okay, here we go. Portland Pilots. Fuck yeah. Here we go. That's, Pilots that's definitely... That's right up there. And the Pepperdine... That's just a job. Do the Pepperdine Waves. The Waves? Pepperdine Waves? That's so Don't like lame. the Waves. The, the, Pilots the Pepperdine Waves placed absolute bottom of the tournament with a 2-16 uh, conference score. And honestly, I think that's mostly because they have a weak team identity. The fucking Pepperdine oh, yeah. Waves. It sounds like a... Glee Club. Oh, good. Get the fuck out oh, of yeah. here. So, Portland Pilots, <laughs> uh, probably my second favorite. Um, and the San Francisco Dons is my favorite. Boys, oh, boys, so that was boys. It. We just heard all the teams. Yeah, that's it. Damn, that, that went by way quicker than I thought. Yeah. Well, all right, no worries. Know, save well, your look, fucking I, I'd say In terms of, in terms of ra- random Wikipedia articles we've had, I think that's probably one of my least favorite. Uh, better than the Italian soccer team we got, I think. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed hearing about that random Venetian guy that we did last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a real sort of middle-of-the-road pick from you this week, okay. I think. I, th- I think you can do better next time. One or two... Well, maybe next time it's a sports thing. I'll just click random again or something because the sports ones kind of suck. But I will say this. All right. Um, Mark Norman Few 
uh, abbreviated <laughs> to Mark Few is uh, was is the that winning Norman hyphen Few or is his middle name middle name Norman, Norman. his his uh, casual right. name is Mark Few. Uh, he is a <laughs> spit of fucking image of Kevin Bacon. I would absolutely cast Kevin Bacon to play this uh, this man. Oh shit! Um, in well, in a biopic. Know that if we ever need, if we ever need to do a, a movie about the 2018 West Coast postseason fucking basketball conference in Nevada, that we yeah. got our cast all sorted. And here you go. We've got a um, we've got a little uh, a little feel good story coming out of this. Uh-oh. Uh oh. MVP for the tournament, f- playing for the Gonzaga Bulldogs, was yeah. uh, Killian Tilly, who is a French a name. basketball player. Tillian. Okay, what the fuck is he doing? I guess he got a little scholarship to a nice American university, but he oh, petit scholarship. Yeah, um, petit money, please. Um, he is a professional basketball player who last played basketball for the Memphis Grizzlies of the NBA. So there you go. He, uh, he went on to be an NBA player. I don't know if he's still active or not, but, um, damn listed at six feet 10 and Jesus Christ and 100 kilograms, six feet 10 with a hundred K's is fucking wild. (laughs) That is, he's tall and skinny. Those are insane specs. Yeah. That's crazy. All right. Yeah, right. Oh, well, thanks for that, man. There you go. Should we get into some movies? Let's get into it. Okay. Um, I don't know which trailer or music I'm going to play. I think I think I want to talk about Oppenheimer first. Uh-huh. Just because... Oh, no, hold on. Barbie. Barbie right. first. Very sure. quick. Hey, Barbie. Can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. You can find me under the lights, diamonds under my eyes. This is the best day ever. It is the best day ever. So is yesterday and so is tomorrow and every day from now until forever. You guys ever think about dying? When my heart breaks. Some things have been happening that might be related. When my world Cold shower Ooh. falling off my roof. Ah! And my heels are on the ground. <gasps> what do I have to do? You have to go to the real world. You can go back to your regular life or you can know the truth about the universe. The choice is now yours. The first one, the high heel. You have to want to know. Okay, do it again. Closer, I, am I watched Barbie with a couple friends, but it was in a it was in a screening where like the audio in the cinema was really low. Mm, I remember you telling me, about and this. so like the whole audience was trying to stay really quiet <laughs> to not like drown out the sound of the movie. Yeah, and so the the vibe. I feel like Barbie would go off in a in a cinema that's packed with a huge crowd that are really vibing it in this yeah, case sure. it was a half empty cinema where everyone was deliberately trying to be as quiet as possible low energy so, uh, <laughs> for that kind of movie yeah so yeah so i i kind of i didn't i didn't love it i remember sure. so many of our friends going to it and being like barbie was so much fun mm. um I, I i watched there and i was sort of stuck not like intellectualizing it but like stuck like being like i get why people love this I kind of wish the vibe was there, but it wasn't for me. I don't know if it's mm. the same for you, whether you got any 
great revelations about Barbie. Um, I saw it in a pretty pretty packed cinema um, with a good crowd, so um, I didn't have the same kind of like deadened experience. But also, we've talked about this a little bit before. I feel like you get a lot out of the seeing stuff in a in a room with a lot of people and like kind of feeding off the yeah. vibe of the audience. Whereas for me, like that is not really what I want out of most movies that I go and see. I kind of, my ideal cinema is me and no one else or just the people that I'm with. So well, I feel like with comedy, comedies are pretty different. Like that was like a comedy vibey kind of movie. Like I, I feel mm. like for some movies, I want to be by myself for that kind of thing. The community atmosphere and the, especially with all the online shit around it, like the vibe behind it, I feel mm. like was whole, the whole part of the experience. Well, interestingly, I was talking to a um, friend of the show, previous guest and housemate of the show, Laura, about this. And <laughs> too many, she said, too many pre No, I got to say the full yeah, title. We, we just say Laura. <laughs> she's going to get mad friend at me Friend of the show. She's got credits and I have the, to read the them rule. out. Here's the rule. Friend of the show is someone that's been on the show. No, that's previous guest. No. A friend of the show They're only is a friend our of the friend. show if they've been on the show. No, that's just my friend. Well, no, and we are the show, so that's friend of the show. <laughs> All right, we'll figure this out. Off air, we'll have to take a vote between the two of us. Um, <laughs> yeah. so it might be difficult, but um, yeah. okay. Anyway, yes, you were uh, talking to Laura, friend uh, of the show, Laura. F- FS PG HM. Yeah, don't mind that. Don't mind that. That's yeah. good. <laughs> FS PG HM. Uh, that that'll yeah. come. Those titles will come after the name. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, she sort of similarly shares your view of like, especially if it's like a comedy or a really like kind of like um, it's meant to be like entertaining or like a Marvel movie or like a roller coastery kind of movie. She really values like seeing stuff at a crowd, and she's talked about that's why here, that's something that she really loves. Uh, going to see film festival film screenings. Uh, to, to do with that because like everyone's there yeah. um, and everyone has yeah. this like passion and they all really want to enjoy the movie and, and she kind of really thrives off that whereas again I'm like uh, I mean it's not necessarily an inherently bad thing but like the risk that someone in the audience is going to be annoying or like ruin the vibe of the screening is is high enough for me that I just generally would prefer like a nearly empty screening um, even That's for crazy. those kind of movies but where mm. where I realized um, I, I totally understand what you're talking about is like with a stand-up show like you don't want to go and see a stand-up yeah. show with no audience but I think because the film is like not an interactive medium I don't want any other factors like messing with my experience of it you know what I mean that's crazy I think there are so <laughs> many comedies that you love that you would love more if they were in a room with people with a good audience I agree that like there might be some an- some anxiety before you go but once you're there and the audience is good it really enhances it uh, yeah no it's, I think it's just a personal yeah. difference like it doesn't really yeah, uh, add yeah. much well, for me because I'm laughing at the jokes anyway and a lot of the time I'm the only fucking person laughing <laughs> which really bugs me <laughs> you're carrying um, yeah well, exactly anyway to breeze Breeze so, by Barbie, I thought it was fine, but it was never really my thing anyway. Yeah, um, I, got, I got a similar experience where like, um, I mean, for me, I could I could tell that it was doing something that, and, and I'd obviously seen a lot of reactions to it. So I knew that like a lot of people really loved it. But I also, I, I'm not saying, I'm not really criticizing the movie for this, but I'm, I'm not the target audience. And that's not to say that like as a, as like a 29 year old man, um, there's no version of the Barbie movie that I could enjoy, but um, I yeah. felt like it was covering a lot of what seemed to me. This is gonna. I've had a lot of conversations again with Laura and and with my partner about this, um, and so I, I'm worried about it coming across like I'm um, being a bit of like a male trademark feminist trademark, but. Um, I was kind of surprised that, so when I watched the movie, it felt like it was covering a lot of like quite foundational entry level concepts of feminism. 
And I wasn't surprised by that. But what I was surprised by was the number of um, uh, reviews or just like comments on posts on Twitter, that kind of thing, uh, that were sort of talking about how cathartic it was to have that articulated on screen. And I guess what shocked me is like, I just felt like that wasn't like, I, I thought, I thought we would, I thought that would already be a sense of that kind of thing being articulated on screen. Like it felt like the stuff that was said was so kind of like ubiquitous and foundational in like at least Australian and American society that it didn't really, people weren't going to get much value out of hearing that again. But but clearly that's wrong. Like I suppose it depends like what kind of bubble you're in politically yeah. speaking, social media wise, what kind of movies you watch. This is like the... If you're going to go and watch any movies you watch that year, people are going to go watch the most popular Marvel movie and the yep. Barbie movie. Yeah, so exactly. I feel like it's it's to have that level of nuance discussed in like a movie that's this popular. Mm. Um, I hadn't ever thought about it. I suppose it's a good point, but... Well, it's, yeah, it, it's that's, funny again, that it makes not an to impact when it's such a popular movie like that. Not to criticise what it is. Exactly. And, and so, like, I kind of had to... Um, rework like not my expectations about it but my reaction to it because initially I it's, was like this isn't really doing any forward like well, any- that's, that's what's really good to do when you watch this sort of movie is to really loudly make a point that you're all across these issues <laughs> that they're actually old hat right. and be like look this actually isn't as feminist as it could be it's good it's good to it's good to get on the front foot with that and women love that as well actually yeah, when, when yeah. they say they love this movie it's good to um, it's good to talk about why it didn't go far enough. Yeah, as vocally yeah. as possible, explain yeah. to them um, why they're part of the problem. If and why they, they shouldn't have enjoyed uh, it. Yeah, and I did that. And and then I got the fuck beaten yeah. out of me by a huge crowd of ladies. Um, you were run out of Canberra. No, so I, I guess like, I, I won't hop on about it, but like, I, it wasn't a film that I didn't enjoy. I thought a lot of the, like Margot Robbie's performance was really good. Ryan Gosling's performance was really good. I don't like the guy that yeah. played... Other Ken, I can't remember his fucking name. Um, old mate. Uh, uh, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Yeah, it doesn't matter. I hate when I can't fucking name an actor, though. Stop anyway. looking it up. C- see me looking it up. See me Don't do it. I don't really like him as an I'm actor, whatever. Um, <laughs> cut it after I found <laughs> it. Just cut out the hesitation. Um, he... Yeah, so I, like the performances were great. The um, the production design was obviously incredible, um, and I I, I like yeah. I liked a lot of the jokes. I found it quite funny. But I think what bugged me, which was the which is, I'm not suggesting that the movie should have been different. But if it was like the Barbie movie that was made to appeal to me specifically, or like you know, <laughs> yeah. which I know I know I know how stupid this sounds because I'm just a like yeah. I'm a man and it's not necessarily like I'm not again the target audience. But um, I felt like she articulated a lot of feelings and frustrations and current issues with the way that feminism sits at the moment and she used the context of like barbie as a product to do that sorry she being greta gerwig um but what it felt it lacked for me personally was like any kind of suggestion of the direction of where to take that and how you might sort of solve a lot of those problems because um it it just felt like it stopped at like trying to give people catharsis about like Making making it clear that like they weren't alone, that their experiences were shared by a lot of people, and so it was kind of um, uh, I- implying a sort of like solidarity among people, and and imploring men to have solidarity in the cause of feminism with women, and women to you know unite behind why this is a a, a problem that's still very much existing in 
the patriarchal society. But then it didn't really have any ideas about what the fuck to actually do, which is like, you know, um, I felt like to me, the ending just felt like uh, um, accepting that it's going to be really hard and because like spoilers for the Barbie movie, like when she chooses to be a, a real woman in the real world, um, it, it, the little speech that the creator of Barbie gives her before she goes into it is like, you're going to experience pain and it's going to be hard and it's, and, but it's, but it'll be real and that's better. Right. And I thought like, that's kind of admirable, but it also felt like it was just saying, uh, this is a very uncharitable interpretation, but it felt like it was just saying like, Hey women, it's fucking tough out there, but you can get through it. You just got to endure it basically. I- I don't um, know. I mean, I think I think this reminds me of other times when you talk about stuff and go, "Oh, this didn't address this specific political issue perfectly," and so it niggles you in some way. And I, I don't get that interpretation from this. I mean, for me, for example, the fact that so many people say they don't see these sorts of sentiments expressed in a movie and yeah. it's validating to see it. I mean, I think it's fine. I, I think for most people, that was probably enough to be like, "Oh, it's nice to have that recognized," and like, yeah. have it recognized. Like, oh, it's it's validating to see that you know you're not. Yeah, that other people are experiencing that shit as well. Yeah, so I guess my realization... This is way more than I had wanted to talk about the Barbie movie. <laughs> my realization was like, oh, okay, it, it's it's nice that that's there for other people and that they got so much out of it. And it is important because, as you say, it's like the movie that a lot of people are going to go... Maybe they only see two movies a year or something. That's a pretty good yeah. chance that that was one of them. So I'm glad that it, it's out there and I'm glad that it exists. What I'm asking for was probably never going to happen uh, with a fucking Mattel-branded movie. Like... You know. Anyway, okay. Uh, I know you want to move on from Barbie, so let's let's move on to the next one. Uh, yeah, great. Yes. Uh, I also enjoyed Oppenheimer. We imagine a future, and our imaginings horrify us. They won't fear it. Until they understand it. And they won't understand it. Until they've used it. It's been a while since I've saw it. It's the first time I saw a film in the IMAX. It was awesome to see it in IMAX. Yep. I think my favorite part of Oppenheimer was the Trinity test sequence. Mm. I think the suspense that he built there was so cool. Um, I don't know much about the story and I thought that there were some elements of the story that I was a bit unclear about and it's told through multiple timelines and part of the timeline is like some sort of aspects of how Robert Oppenheimer's uh, reputation was being damaged politically in the years after the war through all these sort of hearings and things, which I didn't quite understand. Mm, Uh, But overall, I think a good ass Nolan movie. Yeah, I I, I, enjoyed it. I I quite liked it. Um, I thought it was really. I mean, as soon as I heard that Nolan was doing a biopic, like I don't know if you or the listener would remember, but like m- one of my main criticisms of Tenet, which I really didn't like, was just that like I think his films uh, have a tendency to completely lack set piece first. Yeah, character. Yeah. Like they don't really do anything with characters, and the characters could basically just be anyone inserted into the plot. Um, his Batman movie is actually some of the best like characterization that he does. And I haven't, I haven't watched Memento and a couple of other of his ones that are really focused on like one specific character, but this is a biopic. And so like, it was really interesting. 
or I went into it really interested to hear how he would handle like something that's so rooted in like the one kind of character. And I think it's interesting that this, that the movie focuses so little on, um, this is like very mild spoilers, I guess, but it focuses so little on the actual, uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, uh, detonations because it's really focused. It's, it, it, almost entirely roots itself in like his lived experience and he wasn't there to see that kind of stuff. He hears about it on the news and through the radio. So I thought that was a very, very bold choice. Really interesting. Um, I also saw it in IMAX. Neither of us could catch the 70 mil screening. It's something that I'm still kind of keen to go and do, but the seats sell out like immediately. Yeah. Um, Honestly, the second that the projector fired up, I wasn't even thinking about whether it was film or digital. No. Great. I wasn't. So we fine. both still yeah. saw it on in IMAX on the seventy mil. Uh, sorry, on the laser projection. But yeah, it was it was still great. One thing that I hadn't really thought about that's a really underrated element of seeing movies in IMAX, which is something else that I'll talk about uh, with um, another movie that I went to see in IMAX, yeah. is the sound is so fucking good. Um, they've I hadn't really thought too much about the sound. They're doing something with I the sub bass that a lot of uh, a lot of the normal cinemas you go to try with like loud bass, but it just doesn't quite hit the same. The rumble that you get from IMAX is almost like when you're at a concert and you have really big subwoofers <laughs> going, and you can like feel it in your chest. You know, the explosion when the bomb went off was yeah, crazy. It was really good. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I quite liked it. Uh, uh, Killy Murphy, yeah, me too. Was Killy Murphy was crazy good. The whole cast was really good, and also they did some really good stunt casting. Like they cast quite well-known actors. Um, you know, one of the Safdie brothers, uh, or like Rami yeah, Malek being Affleck's like Affleck's in it for like ten seconds. Yeah, exactly. Matt Damon is one. It's yeah. one of his best performances, I think. Ro- uh, Robert Downey Jr. Um, Florence Pugh is fantastic. Like, yeah, yeah, and there are so many actors specifically apparent apparently because it's all based on this like history bio biography type book that yeah. uh, Robert Pattinson gave him actually as a rap gift thing on Tenet. Right. That's uh, interesting. So it's funny how like he didn't have this planned out. It was just he sort of yeah. stumbled across it as his next project. But um anyway, um apparently while he was reading this book, he was like, Oh, this is such an interesting story and there's so many complex personal relationships and machinations going on uh, that he said that when he was adapting it for s- the screen, he didn't want to have any like composite characters. So the right. reason why Casey Affleck's only in it for like a scene is because that's all that dude that's did what in that real character life was. Yeah, that's that cool. Was related to this story, and yeah. so uh, there's a bunch of like I think I don't know I don't know why I'm thinking Josh Gad, but there's <laughs> is he in it? <laughs> no, there's a bunch of like really niche people like that that are in it for like half a scene. Yeah, and yeah. that's why apparently. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it reminds me of, Real good. and I can talk seeing. about this too, but like Wes Anderson's approach to casting where he'll get an A-lister that gets like four lines, you know, and it's so, it's such a joy to see them crop up and be like, holy fuck, is that, you know, um, but yeah, yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I think very mildly it did suffer a bit. So I only watched it like uh, on the 24th of September. So like uh, it took me ages to actually go and see it. And I just heard people talk about it so much. I tried to ignore a lot of stuff that I was seeing on social oh, so you media. Watched it recently. Yeah, I only got to see it like within the last few weeks. A couple weeks ago. Um, Damn, that's wild. And so I think it kind of suffered from a little bit of overhype for me. I, I, I didn't really have high expectations going into it, but people were talking about like it was one of the best movies that's ever been made. And I think it was really good. I was really impressed by Nolan showing uh, Oppenheimer, like his his enthusiasm and his passion get kind of yeah, hijacked yeah. and out of his control. And then uh, the this, this sort of dread 
that sets in over the course of the whole movie that wears away all of that. It's like all of the enthusiasm and passion evaporates as he realizes the only things that his inventions are ever going to be used for is this type of like mass death weaponry. And so I was very impressed by that. For sure. So much of the stuff they did with the sound, now that I'm thinking about it, was really good. I remember a moment where like he walks into a crowded room of people uh, and they're all cheering for him uh, and the sound cuts out and all you can hear is this like scuffling of feet. And then like, I think it puts screaming in there as well. And he's obviously like haunted by all these deaths and yeah. The sound mixer and sound designer were really good. Yeah. Yep. There is a I quick shout out to another podcast, which I think I've talked about on this one before. It's the the podcast that Roger Deakins does with James Deakins, um, yeah. his wife. And the production. there's an episode with the production designer uh, of Oppenheimer. Um, it's a little bit, it's quite oh, sort of industry talky. So there's like a bunch of stuff that it, uh, I found really fascinating, but um, I don't know how much if you've not worked on set uh would just be a little bit of like jargon but i think they do a pretty good I job find, of explaining like, choices it. that those people have to make really interesting so, yeah, yeah i reckon you'd get up. a lot out of it um and like really interesting story about like um what like the the choices that nolan makes and the sacrifices and the way that he works with his team um mm. y- you know where like i mean she tells this story about uh him uh, her saying like we don't i i i can't you, you've told me to make this city. It, it was something... I'm going to get the details wrong, but it was something like, I need you to find... Yeah, yeah. I need you to find Washington, D.C. in Las Vegas. And she was like... I, I, she spent like a month and she was like, I've, I've looked. I can't do this. I can't convincingly make this happen. <laughs> this is just not something I can give you. I've really tried. And he was like, okay, uh, let, give me a little while to do some homework. And he just kept saying, right. I, I, she was like checking in and she's like, what are we going to do about this whole fucking DC thing? And he was like, I'm doing my homework. Just leave it with me. And she was like starting yeah. to freak out. She's like, what the fuck do you, what does he mean doing his homework? What does he mean? And then he came back to her like three weeks later and was like, okay, I, we had a principal filming period of uh, 85 days and I've cut that down to 58 days so that we can have this location that you actually need. So he went through and was like doing, like he was cutting stuff out of his principal filmmaking so that she could have the budget that she needed to move. And who is this? Nolan was doing this. Nolan was saying, yeah, I'll find a way to shorten what I, I'll find a way to cut all of the fat from what I'm doing so that you can do this thing. Cause you've told me that you can't do it any any other way. And um, it's funny how the limitations influence the process like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's another really crazy story she talks about where they thought that they had a location locked in and then there was a mistake and it wasn't locked in. And I, you should just listen to that because it's the way that she yeah. talks about it, it's so stressful. Oh, sick. Okay. Yeah, it's cool. Um, well, you know, both definitely worth watching. Um, <laughs> maybe wrap up on movies that we saw four months ago that everyone's already heard discussed. Yeah, these are more. Yeah, um, I've got some more interesting ones recently. I- yeah. I could talk about uh, something I watched really recently, which might be more interesting, the Wes sure. Anderson short stuff. Henry Sugar was 41 years old, unmarried and rich. Strange. The following is what Henry read in the Little Blue Exercise book. Gentlemen, I'm a man who can see without using his eyes. He saw it, I cried. He saw that trolley, this is absolutely unbelievable. I was flabbergasted. This is a terrific piece of information. This could change my life. An extraordinary thing happened. All at once, he sees through his own skin. 
like an X-ray, only better, he sees everything. Henry was now almost certainly capable of making money faster than any other person in the entire world. Interesting. His name was Henry Sugar. I think people ought to know a bit about what he has done for the world. Uh, yeah, so I thought I should, <laughs> I thought I should watch something current uh, as a mm. good excuse to talk about something more up to date for this app. So last night I watched the four Wes Anderson Roald Dahl short films that are on Netflix right now. Yeah, so this so, is kind of weird. Do um, you wanna do you wanna just explain like what this actually is? Because it took me ages to figure out what the fuck he was actually doing. Yeah, and I didn't know heaps about it, but. Uh, and I, I kind of thought like not knowing heaps about it was kind of a fun way to go into it. Sure. But uh, basically there are four uh, Wes Anderson short films that have gone up on Netflix. Uh, the Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar, The Swan, The Rat Catcher, and Poison. Um, the first one, The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar, is probably like the main one that's the one that's getting all the promo uh, yep. with uh Benedict Cumberbatch in the lead role. And that yep. one goes for about 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. The other three go for about 20 minutes each. Yeah. So you can, and the way I watched it, you can just watch them all and just hit Netflix and go next, next, next. And you can watch all four of them and it's the equivalent of about a feature length movie. But yeah, they're so, all completely yeah. unrelated. Yeah. The only nice. thing that connects them is Ray Fiennes plays the role of uh, Roald Dahl. Okay. Cool. Uh, and so there are sections where Roald Dahl is like talking to camera and telling the story at the beginning and the end and putting the interjections in the middle. Uh, and I think, I think you should watch Henry Sugar first because Henry Sugar like sets up the premise and the conceit of uh, it being this frame narrative that Roald Dahl is telling you. Cool. Uh, and then the other ones, uh, you can probably watch in any order. And okay, sure. I watched them in the random order they popped up on Netflix and it was fine. So whatever. Cool. But, all right, but Henry Sugar first. They're all yeah, nice. Yeah, they're all based on short stories that Roald Dahl has written between the 50s and the 70s. Uh, and they're kind of adulty. They're all kind of weirdly dark, a bit quirky in that Roald Dahl kind of way, but they all have a weirdly dark, sinister undertone that I found um, really unsettling to see in that like Wes Anderson aesthetic. Yeah, sure. They're great. I'll step back a bit. I like them all. They're fantastic. I think if you liked... Um, uh, French Dispatch. If you Dispatch. liked Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. French Dispatch is a good example of the tone because it's got people talking to camera in the same way as the reporters were sort of doing in French Dispatch. Yep. But then, obviously, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox is also Roald Dahl, a Roald Dahl adaptation that Wes Anderson did like 15 years ago. Yeah, sure. And so if you liked that kind of vibe in the same way as Fantastic Mr. Fox feels like Wes might have written it, but he's mm. adapted it. This is the same thing. It p fits in perfectly with his tone. Um, but but as you say, the 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 contrast between them must be that like Wes and uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox is definitely like a children's kind of movie, whereas these sound like mm. they're kind of m more structured to like a, a full adult content. Oh, I don't know. I mean, they're kids. Well, because Roald Dahl's kind of always had that. Like, look at something like The Witches. He's always kind of had a little bit of that ability to go pretty creepy, and but he's still covering it in a way that is like targeted at children. Yeah, you know? maybe it is a ch ch children's thing, and I just wasn't familiar with them. I, sure. I think they'd be fine for children, but I, I, I wasn't watching it feeling like I'm watching a fucking kids thing. Like I was, I was enjoying it. So it's the mm -hmm. same cast 
in all of them playing different yep. roles. So Benedict Cumberbatch is in most of them. Ray Fiennes is in uh, most of them playing multiple roles as well. Yep. Yep. Um, Dev Patel is in a lot of them. Ben Kingsley's in a lot of them. And Richard Iowati is in a lot of them. Yeah, uh, and there's a few other names that weren't famous, but there are a bunch. So one of the things I like the most about it is they're all presented kind of like you're watching a play, in the way where you literally see um, people in costume pulling the sets on and off frame. Right. So like there'll be a just just as an example that's not necessarily applicable. It, it might be set in like Victorian London and there are people walking around dressed in the sort of Victorian London Oliver Twist style stuff and then two of the Oliver Twist looking Victorian London dudes will be sort of pulling a set on or right. pushing a set yeah, off. Cool. Or there'll be like part of the set opens up and it looks like it's a... There's a set, there's a segment where it's set in a wheat field mm. and they're, they're like standing in between the rows of wheat just going on and on and on down the back of the camera. Uh, and then they acknowledge the fact that the back of the back of the thing is like a painting, a painting. backdrop, and yeah. then the wheat opens up and it's a door. Oh right, that's uh, cute. Lots of stuff like that. There's a bit where they're standing in front of like a building facade, and then a hatch opens up in the building facade, and a guy pops out a projector, and then projects like the flashback sequence onto a screen that someone's wheeled off into the middle of the frame. Nice. Um, so lots of stuff for it. it. It makes it feel like you're watching a play, and then in every single short story, most of the mo- a character will play multiple roles. Yeah, and so yeah. it feels like you're watching like a traveling traveling circusy type production. Yeah, where cool. Ray Fiennes plays Roald Dahl, and then inside the film he plays like the Doctor or whatever. They're mm. all heaps of fun. Mm. Uh, I had a loose ranking for them, so I really liked Poison. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is about uh, Benedict Cumberbatch plays a guy who uh, is reading in bed in like British India in the 40s or the 50s or something and a poisonous snake f- curls up and falls asleep on his belly and he has to stay perfectly still and his buddy comes in and sees the snake and they have to work out a way of like getting getting the guy out of bed and get the sheets off the snake and everything without the snake biting him. Sure. Uh, and... The whole, the whole short story is like building up the suspense in a way that I've never seen Wes do suspense before. Yeah, it was that's neat. Thrilling, really cool. I've never seen him do it, and he nailed it. Uh, and then I liked Henry Sugar a lot. Uh, the big long one, lots of it's it's got like a, it's got like four levels of frame narrative in it mm. that are fun. Uh, and the story is interesting. Uh, and interestingly, it's got like a handheld camera shot that I've never seen Wes do before. It's got a long, two minute long handheld camera shot where it's the camera chasing someone who is running. It's like tracking shot. Which I had yeah, never, cool. Yeah, which I had never seen Wes do before. Huh. There you go. Uh, I think my le- they were all good. I think my least favorite one was Ratcatcher because it was a bit weird and stylized. Uh, and it was just the one that I least appeal to me poison was fantastic swan uh is one about a young kid precocious young kid that's getting bullied by two other kids in a wheat field uh and they're sort of chasing him through this wheat field with a gun Mm -hmm. uh they're all great i i i I can't think of i'm sort of deliberately not talking about the story because i don't want to spoil them because i think that yeah they're only discovery i had was the bizarre roald dahl imagination stuff that i had never known from these short stories before Mm. one thing that did annoy me that i will say because i've been quite glowing is 
the rapid fire talking to camera where the characters are sort of engaging in the scene and then turn to camera and go, I said, um, does get a bit annoying. Right. A bit where they'll be like, oh, I can't believe it. I said, and then I said this, I said, and then another character will say a thing that he's just said. It, it's, there's, there's just a bit where it's, it's, it's a bit too cute for its own good mm. in a way that uh, I sort of felt myself going, ah, oh, shut up. Maybe but it doesn't serve the, as a the, story. But the set design and the production design uh, and the whole aesthetic is just so peak Wes and so gorgeous and so perfectly done. Uh, and the stories are so like whimsical and cute that I think that it more than made up for that. Mm, that's cool. I, um, I'm seeing a lot of uh, parallels between... Um, so one of the movies on my list was Asteroid City, the new Wes Anderson right, I haven't seen feature. That. You're not here. We're not there. The car exploded. Come get the girls. I have to stay here with Woodrow. I'm not the chauffeur. I'm the grandfather. Where are you? Asteroid City, Farm Route 6, Mile 75. Junior stargazers and space cadets. Each year we celebrate Asteroid Day. Commemorating September 23rd, 3007 BC, when the arid plains meteorite made Earth impact. Holy Toledo, that's Mitch Campbell. You're very good in the one about the tramp in the brothel who gets amnesia and becomes a pediatrician. You were very awesome. Actually, maybe my favorite character ever. I don't know why nobody else liked it. Yeah, well, so it sounds like he's, I really, I mean, any any kind of discussion around like what Wes Anderson style actually is, is kind of always infuriating um, because people mm. just go like, oh yeah, sort of not much dimensionality to the background, locked off shots, and it's like, that's it. But right. he's actually, um, he's one of, I know, I know he sort of sucks as a guy in a couple of ways, but he's one of my favorite filmmakers. And yeah. uh, one thing that always gets glossed over when people try and fucking imitate his style is, bro, his scripts are really fucking good. He's actually an excellent like writer. Airtight. They are yeah. insanely well-written. And it's well-written yeah. both from the point of view of the plot and it's really mm. well-written. Just the dialogue is excellent. Excellent. And yeah, I know he it's has like, this sense of humor where the yeah. dialogue is very dry, but it's funny in this quirky way. Yes. Because he's taking something silly quite serious, I think. Yeah, exactly. I think maybe that's part of what it is. It's this, like, you can't quite tell whether it's being done earnestly or not, and it feels a bit cheeky. That it's all a bit tongue-in-cheek. We're but putting then... so much money into something a bit dumb. Exactly. So, <laughs> I, I, I really love it. And he's not afraid to make a dumb joke. Um, so, I think he's got a really good... Like, he's got his finger on the pulse of his own scripts in terms of, like, how much irony to inject into them. Um, so, so, what did you think of Asteroid City? Because so I, I loved Asteroid City. mixed things. Yeah, oh, no, I, I loved it, and I feel like it's a. I feel like his stuff has been naturally progressing, and I feel like he's been getting better over time. Whereas I know some people like Grand Budapest Hotel is still their favorite of his, and um, they feel like he's becoming more pretentious or whatever as he goes along. I don't think that's true. Um, and personally, I French Dispatch was my sort of favorite of his. Asteroid City, I think, is. I would put it in the same. French Dispatch is your favorite. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I really That's love crazy. what he did. Yeah, but Asteroid City is is on par with French Dispatch for me. I think they're both oh, my wow. equal favorites of his. And it's interesting. So French Dispatch has this like 
again, I mean, it's frame narrative of frame narrative stuff, which he's always kind of played yeah. around with. Like, even I went back yeah, and watched yeah. Grand Budapest recently, actually, because um, Lou had never seen it before. So we watched it together. She really loved it. Um, but mm. I forget. It's like, it's, it's actually. The, the frame narrative is that there's uh, that young woman who goes the to the, at the statue, right? Yeah, the the yeah. book at the start, and I so he's still recently. he's still doing it, right? Um, and then mm. it's r- the recounting of that guy in the, the hotel in the seventies telling the story about the hotel in its heyday. Yeah, and he's because yeah. you get that scene at the start in the black and white with the guy who's narrating to camera, and then he gets shot at with the BB gun. Anyway, so it's he's oh, still been right. doing he's been doing that for <laughs> yeah, a really fucking a, long time. That's such right? a good scene. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. but um. French Dispatch had that kind of like it, it was um, what's her name the one that she he always he loves uh, Tilda Swinton Tilda Swinton thank you where she's presenting <laughs> about like the art pieces and stuff but each vignette kind of has mm. its own frame narrative and then the overall French Dispatch frame narrative is there as well but Asteroid City is much more it's it's got more of that uh, frame narrative stuff, but it's it's only it's going down one level each time because it's not a vignette story, right? So, the the setup is it's a radio, uh, sorry, it's a television special uh, on a uh, talking about the production of a play, and so what happens is. Right. Tom Hanks, uh, not Tom Hanks, fucking Brian Cranston Idiot. is is narrating the television special, and then it goes and sort of you sort of lose that for most of the the rest of the movie. But then it's in it bounces back and forth between the production of the play, almost in a Birdman style thing, where you you know the director is talking to actors and all that kind of stuff. But then when the when the scenes from the play are actually being played, it's in it's in in the full movie like it's in this it's you're in the scene um and so that's when you get jason Sorry, schwartzman so, so when the, as the when you watch the scenes in the play it then looks like the scenes have come to life and are real yes, world exactly. life stuff yes exactly yes yeah. oh cool yeah so, no, i like that right and it's still split up into like it it puts a title card for each chapter in the play and that kind of thing so it's not sort yeah, of swaying yeah. away from that but there's it's like it's it's dealing with the emotional problems of the characters, but sometimes the emotional problems that the actors have while they're trying to inhabit the characters and the kind of um, anxieties mm. that they have around whether or not they're getting the performance right and all that kind of stuff. So I think in some ways, uh, I mean that 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 might kind of confuse people a little bit because it's like you lose track of the fact that it's a frame narrative and then it can be jarring to come out of it, but. Um, it wasn't really a problem for me, and uh, I think the dialogue and the cast is just really perfect. Schwartzman is the main character, sort of, or the I guess the protagonist of the play is great. He yeah. uses the 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 cast is insanely stacked. Um, Have Steve Carell is in it. No, I haven't seen a few like of his earlier ones. Because Schwartzman is the main character in Rushmore. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, but no, it's okay. I don't think he's been. I suppose he he was in Darjeeling Limited. Nice to have him as a main character again because he is so good in Rushmore and he's I like can't remember if he was or something. Also you know? in Grand Budapest, but yeah, he's been in a few and he was in Fantastic Mr. He's Fox a, as he's, well. He's a he's one of the concierges in like the Society of the Crossed Keys. That's right. Or whatever. Yeah, so it was just a very yeah. small bit part. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But no, I really loved him in this. Is Bill Murray in this one? Uh no no he he's some, not he had some stuff go on yeah, yeah I don't know if yeah. that's why and also Wes Anderson has never fucking let that stop him because he's like been a vocal advocate for um bringing Roman Kolansky back to 
the states Great, and stuff like good. he's yeah fine he, cool he, chill. he sucks a little bit but yeah <laughs> um so i'm not sure he would have yeah. let that get in the way but it does feel like so tom hanks is in this and it feels like tom hanks is doing the character that bill murray would have been um that's fine that's interesting he does a really good yeah, job right. um and uh yeah the, the the cast i almost one of the joys for me of these kind of movies where they've where they do have like just a, fucking stacked cast of A-listers is that you see someone pop yeah. up and you're like, holy fuck, is that who I think it is? And it is. So I almost don't want to talk about it, but um, yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. few people- Well, I don't people- know much about it. I'll- I think I've missed it in the cinema, but I'll, I'll watch it when it comes on to streaming, I guess. Yeah, yeah. There's a few, there's just a few absolutely um, stellar uses of casting where someone will pop no, up okay. and, well, and yeah, no, yeah, and you'll just be like, yeah, uh, okay. I just had a grin on my face the whole time. Um, oh, so cool. I really, well, really loved it. And it's one of my favorites of his. And again, I think he's he's refining his style. And, and I think Asteroid City to me was a lot funnier than French Dispatch. I think he really lent into the kind of like theatrical, like the, the idea of like a play and, and he makes a few. There's one joke that he does, which um, involves Brian Cranston stepping on at a certain point in time. And I, I don't want to spoil the joke, but it's like, it's so... Like a, a person who was taking themselves more seriously about what they did would not have made that stupid joke, <laughs> and and I just I, it's one of my favorite jokes in the whole fucking movie. Oh, that's great! Because like a fart it, joke or something. It's not quite that, but it's like it, it, it's right. it's a joke. It's a meta joke about the production, and, and I just thought like that's sometimes like you'd get told to cut that, but it works so perfectly. It's just so funny. Oh, it doesn't serve any other purpose in the story. It's really fun. So he's having so much fun with it that it feels like you can just really get behind enjoying it on the same level as oh, him. Oh, that's sick. And I, um, I he's one of my favorite writers. Like just it gen- genuinely, I uh, really, his scripts are really really impressive in their quality he i love he just, his movies so much his pacing is i know he, he like moves really fast and the pacing can get a little exhausting but the there's so many jokes per minute um french dispatch felt a lot more kind of like heartfelt and dramatic at certain points in time which again is one of the reasons why i really loved it but um, well, yeah i'm keen to give french dispatch another go because i think one of the reasons why i didn't like it was because when i watched it the first time i felt like I wasn't getting the Wes writing. I feel like my initial impression of it was that it was style over substance and it was all these little vignettes with nothing connecting it. And it was just, I had watched it just come off doing a refresh where I had watched, I'd rewatched Budapest Hotel and I'd rewatched Royal Tenenbaums and Darjeeling Limited, which were all really character driven. A bit of some of them had more narrative than others, but they all had this really strong through line. Yeah, um, that had clearly been thought out, and then the 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 production design was there as like extra spice. Mm. And then I thought when I watched French Dispatch, the fact that there wasn't such a clear through line when I was watching it, I was like, is this just he had some cool ideas for nice production design and thought, well, I'll I'll come up with some bullshit to connect it all together and it'll be fine um coming off Roald Dahl the Roald Dahl shorts and really enjoying the shorts Mm. just for what they are maybe I'll go back and watch French Dispatch and enjoy them as shorts uh and maybe I'll enjoy it more because that was kind of it kind of reminds me similarly about going in with preconceptions to how I went into uh to how I went into Once Upon a Time in Hollywood expecting something and getting something else and not enjoying it as much yeah yeah um, yeah I find it interesting that you liked French Dispatch so much because I didn't like it. 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, I I would maybe give it a rewatch because again, yeah, you it might now that you've kind of had the Roald Dahl short no, short things, yeah, yeah, it might it might not be so yeah. kind of like jarring, but um, but it's also yeah, he's going for less humor in it, even though there are like still a lot of jokes, but um, it's it's yeah. I think it's meant to be one of his more like earnest films, which is sort of odd because you just don't get a lot of earnestness in um. Oh, it's nice in. And- in it but i reckon you'll really like asteroid city because it's doing similar stuff in terms of like the um you know you were talking about like uh the roll dial shorts almost actively acknowledging that they're a play or like that that it's kind of like it, i i assume he must have been working on these things sort of concurrently and it feels like there's a lot of overlap yeah, in stylistic choices sounds like very similar, yeah. But yeah i would also <laughs> pitch it as like um it, it is a, it's almost it's not doing anything like birdman's trying to do but it's like yeah. if Wes Anderson chose to try and do like a Birdman type thing where it's it's this production that has these issues that the director is having to try and solve and the, the actors are all being like uh, like needy and, and um, self-conscious and like need to have these moments of realizing like, oh, I've... I, I need to relax and I've figured out the character or, or like this is the key and I've just yeah. now I'm going oh, go to go on a perfect watch it. Nah. It's really you good. You got me keen to watch it. I'm, I'm really going to watch it. It's going to be great. Fuck, I love Wes Anderson. And it's like, where's, yeah. Ed, where's Christmas? The fact that he's released so much shit, he's basically released two movies at the same time. It was wild. I'm keen to hear what you think of this Roald Dahl shit. It's, they're so good. I didn't see anything about it until like a couple of Twitter stories about it. Like mm. there was, it's not been advertised like at all. Well, so yeah, apparently they released they released them weekly. So I'm sure there right. is a specific chronological order you could watch them in. But sure, um, they're they're all good, man. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm keen. even my least favorite one is is still good. And the fact that he's able to do so much with so little, like you can you'll watch it and you can sort of. The, the adaptation feels seamless. It feels like a Wes story. Uh, and you wouldn't know that it's a short story. His writing prowess really comes off well in it. Uh, it's really like, it, it really like is brought to the fore. To the yeah, fore, I'm, I'm really keen. Uh, he's, he's, um, yeah. I mean, I know French Dispatch is technically like an adaptation or it's like inspired by the real kind of French Dispatch stuff, but I don't think Asteroid City was based on anything. And he's, you know, he's played around with adaptation before. So, um, yeah, I'm really keen to, um, and I guess I hadn't thought about it, but yeah, you're right. He has adapted Roald Dahl before and Fantastic Mr. Fox is one of my favorites of his. So, um, yeah, yeah I'm definitely so keen like, to check it out. It's that tone. I, I would say that it's, it's like, Tonally closer to French Dispatch, but right. it's got this. It's like a good mixture between French Dispatch and Fantastic Mr. Fox. If you like both of those, you're gonna fucking love these, man. They're, yeah, they're, and they're I reckon sick. you'll froth Asteroid um, City. Yeah, my favorite bit about so, so there's there's a bit uh, that it's like it's not a spoiler, but it's like uh, something about the production design that I thought was charming when I was watching it. Was like one of the bits in Henry Sugar is this bit where he goes to India and meets this like yogi or one of the one of the characters meets this like yogi wise man type thing uh and they're like oh this guy is like so good at meditation and he's so uh cosmically conscious or whatever that he's able to levitate yeah uh and he's sitting on a box and the way they do the levitation because it's a play the way they do the levitation is he's sitting he's like meditating doing a cross-legged like lotus type position on a box and then he rotates the box 90 degrees. He gets up, rotates the box 90 degrees and sits back down on it. And now that he's rotated it, the, the side of the box facing the camera is painted to perfectly match the background. 
That's cool. <laughs> That's sick. He's just sitting on the box, but he's the box is almost you almost it's 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 almost like it's transparent and blends into the background it's yeah that's really silly enough in a way where it's like it's like a high school play it's so charming and then there are bits where it feels like what he's doing is a high school play but Mm. they clearly couldn't do it without high uh, budget without c without cg right um but then there are like there are stop motiony bits and there are bits where um there are bits where the character is uh driving yeah, and it's got the rear projection screen behind yeah, like sick. a stationary car, but the camera is set a bit too far back so that you can see that it's a rear projection screen. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I really it's, love his like acknowledgement so of like yeah, none of us are pretending that this is real. You know, it's all it's all yeah. just a play, basically. Yeah, it's and the really fact cool. that he uses the same cast for all of them in his yeah. movies as well, I think, yeah. brings this level of charm and artifice to it that adds to the. It's 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 almost like it's almost like it knows that it's not taking itself too seriously, and it knows that you know it's a movie. And so now that we all know this is a movie and it's all constructed, we can be a bit larger than life and a bit yeah, silly and a totally. bit colourful yeah. and a bit creative with it, without breaking you out of the reality of it. It's like without being like, oh well, no, no fucking house is that vibrantly pastel, vintagely designed. And he's yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it's we're, we're having fun here, so who gives a fuck? We should yeah, uh, we should move about, on. But that yeah. reminded me of one of my favourite bits in Asteroid City, where um, it's just this idea of like. Like, he's an extremely talented filmmaker that's not afraid to use, um, like, lo- low like low skill kind of, or whatever, like, stuff that doesn't seem very impressive, but is used in a very yeah. impressive way. There's a bit in Asteroid City where it, uh, it has two, it's Ben Schwartzman talking to um, Tom Hanks on the phone, and it does, uh, like, a split, 50-50 split ben down the middle of the screen. Did I say Ben Schwartzman? Yeah. Oh, sorry. What the who the fuck am I talking about? Um, Jason Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman. Sorry. Really shouldn't have interrupted you. It didn't matter. Yeah. Sorry. sorry. Jason Schwartzman and no, the other guy split screen talking. Someone screaming through there, being like, "Why the fuck is the improv guy? Who the, the fuck's the- Ben Schwartzman? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, is that the- that's the guy that did Sonic, right? The voice is Sonic, and he does those improv specials. Uh, oh, it's ben I think Schwartz. his name's just sorry. Ben Schwartz. Yeah. Anyway, so Ben okay. Schwartzman is no one. Fucking hell. All right. Jason Jason Schwartzman and Tom Hanks are talking on the phone. And in the yeah. scene with Jason Schwartzman, there's this recurring joke where there's a police car chasing a, crimi- a car of criminals and the criminals are like shooting it backwards at the police car. And it's very cartoony and it never really comes back. But um, it's a the camera movement like will it's sort of the camera's like on a stick and so they're rotating it around to look at different stuff he loves he loves doing that he loves doing it (laughs) and the way so what happens is like as the car you hear the car in the background from one side like on the right hand side and then they they move through the scene to the left hand side but it rotates around it pans around almost 360 degrees to like the bit where it interrupts the conversation if it turns around and follows the car like a really long way and then it goes back to Schwartzman <laughs> they keep talking and then it comes back around as they drive back the other direction through again and it does the same thing but the incredible part is the timing of the conversation there's no edits right it's all one take on both sides but the timing of the phone conversation is perfect and had to accommodate <laughs> this this the timing of these stunt drivers going and back and forth and all the pans and stuff and it's like 
that was a stupid fucking joke, but that is insanely (laughs) hard to execute. I was like, I had my hand on my head being like, how the fuck Mm. did they do that? Like, I don't know if they shot the stuff with Jason Schwartzman first and then Tom Hanks was like listening to the audio of it or something, maybe. But it was so fucking good that it's like the the timing was just razor sharp. And I just thought like, God, That's that's unbelievably impressive filmmaking. But for something that doesn't, I think it's it doesn't seem like it would be hard. But I know that would be fucking so difficult because he makes it look effortless. It's really good. I think that's a good way of phrasing what I like about Wes that I had never thought about before. It's like the ultra high sheen polish and effort to the point of perfection of stuff that is really stupid. And like it's 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 a similar reason why I like the Hamish and Andy show where they yeah. put a st- a stupendous amount of like rules and rigor and serious structure into incredibly stupid stuff. So do, I, I think I've, I I got this from the Total Reboot podcast, but they talked about one of their favorite yeah. jokes in the reboot of like uh, Wet Hot American Summer is that you know yeah. they do the budget saving thing where like they'll have a character I haven't seen it. Uh, no, but th- it's like a it's a, something that you can look out for, especially in like older like low budget movies, where like instead of having um, the uh, other half of the phone conversation edited in, so that you have to have two locations filmed, they'll just have the character on the phone, and they'll be like, "What? Oh, I didn't know that." Blah 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 blah, and maybe they'll <laughs> put in, maybe they'll put in the audio with the phone, but like it. The point yeah, is yeah, that yeah. you you don't have to go and f- spend. Th- like tens of thousands of dollars finding a location, hiring actors, all that kind of stuff. So it's like a you good just, budget saving. You just hear saving one side way. of the conversation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And th- there's this bit in the reboot of Wet Hot American Summer where they do the entire phone conversation just focused on this main character, and then he goes, "All right, I'll talk to you later." And then for one shot, it cuts to the other entire full <laughs> setup, and the person on the other end of the phone just goes, "See ya," and then hangs up, and that's it. <laughs> It's like, that's only a joke for people who, like, make yeah, fucking films because, like, it's so specific. You wouldn't understand why they did it's that. It's like you could have showed the whole, yeah, yeah the whole but that joke, forth. Yeah, exactly, but they didn't. So, that joke costs, like, probably $20,000 of the budget just for that stupid fucking cut. And and there's there's a bit in yeah, in Asteroid City where um, there's a character that's in one level of the frame narrative and they step yep. into the next level of the frame narrative for like one and a half lines. And it's Great. such a silly fucking joke. But I realized like, oh, that that means that that actor had to be like flown to the location on set that day, on set that day yeah. for that stupid fucking joke. They had to pay that for like guy for like however, for literally like a five second yeah. gag. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Like it, it's just the more that you think about like what would have gone into constructing doing yeah. that, the funnier I think it is. Cause you think about like the money that got spent on like, no, no, this is, this is going to be worth it. This is funny enough that we'll, yeah, we'll have to pay this guy like another 10 grand for a day rate or something. But yeah, it's so good. All right, let's move on from uh, from Wes Anderson. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to do like one more thing each. Let's do yeah. Let's do like a quick blast because I got a few that I do want to talk about, but we don't have to get in detail, and you haven't seen some of them. So let's do let's do one for one. So I'm not just monologuing. Yeah. Okay, great. So um, I went to America recently. I went to New York, uh, and on the plane over and back, I watched a bunch of stuff. So yep. the stuff I'm going to wreck 
won you, won me, won you, won me, uh-huh. uh, is stuff that I would never normally have picked, but it's on the plane, and I thought I'll watch this, and I loved all of it. So the first yep. one I watched, uh, I got is a fucking a bone to pick with you before you talk about whatever dumb shit you watched instead, because you downloaded <laughs> The Irishman and you <laughs> promised our group chat that you were going to watch that shit on the plane. And listeners, okay. let so, me tell you why he didn't, because his pathetic, <laughs> weak little arms. He didn't want to hold his phone for the period of time for that it was going to take to watch. Hours. You can put it on the fucking tray table in no, front no, no. of you and prop was, it up. Okay, so You'll play video no games on up. a Switch for four hours. I no, don't so give a fuck. That is that okay, is so weak I, I, as hell. I didn't watch The Irishman. Uh, so the screen on the back of the seat was bigger. Yeah. And I could plug my headphones in and I didn't have to hold my phone up. Yep. Uh, Anyway, so the first movie You're I watched, a f- um, little snake. You're a snake. <laughs> I'll never. The first movie you. I watched is called Confess Fletch. Okay. My father's paintings were stolen. The Picasso was appraised at twenty million dollars. Well, it hardly seems worth stealing. You're not a detective. But I was an investigative reporter. It's an occupation that's been cheapened by the digital age, like president. idiot moron has something to do with this. You want me on the outside so I can solve this thing. Are you Fletcher? Yes, I am. Oh! I mean, no, I'm not. I always get that wrong. I don't know who people hate more. Cops or reporters. It's cops. It's a 2022 murder mystery movie set in the modern day starring John Hamm. And basically, John uh, John Hamm and a bunch of other people, but John Hamm's the main guy. Uh, John Hamm plays an investigative journalist that writes about like art history mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, and he checks into uh, his Airbnb somewhere uh, where he's staying and finds a dead body in the Airbnb. Okay, good setup. Uh, and the cops, he calls the cops and he's like, there's a dead body in my fucking Airbnb. And the cops immediately assume it's him. And the whole movie is played as this real screwball, uh, the screwball kind of comedy crime caper mm-hmm. where the police the whole time are like, we think it's you and we are going to try and prove that it's you because right. this is a pain in the ass. We don't want to be here. Uh, it's obviously you, so just admit it. Uh, and so that's why it's called Confess Fletch because he's this investigative journalist that is then trying to prove his innocence. And every time he calls the cops to be like, "All right, I've made a new breakthrough. I think I found another clue." The cops like, "You again, cunt! I, I know you murdered this woman. Just right. admit it. I want to go home." <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this, uh, that's great. It's fun. It's fun. Who done okay. it? I love John Hamm. I find him very funny and very charming. Uh, I just come off a monster run of Mad, of me watching Mad Men last year. So, oh, Laura's gone um, in on Mad Men as well. Yeah, she's really enjoying it. Uh, Confess Fletch is tons of fun. Uh, so I, f- I would, I would liken it in terms of tone to like Knives Out, in terms of like silly crime comedy caper. Fletch was a 1985 film where Chevy Chase plays an undercover journalist with a penchant for oh, I disguises. That it's a yeah, so, so is so it a it's spin-off like, of that? It's, it's like a reboot spin-off type thing, but I had right. never heard about Fletch or anything. Yeah, it is. Sorry. Okay. It is. Interesting. It's, it's directed it's by Michael Ritchie. in the same universe as... 
Yeah, it's somehow like a reboot or whatever of the Chevy Chase thing. But uh, oh, okay. So there's a John series Hamm of novels called that 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 are starring this character of Fletch. So maybe it's an adaptation yep. of a different novel or something. Yeah. Yep. And so cool. he's like a real womanizer. There's a bit of a James Bond type vibe where every single woman he meets wants to fuck him. Nice. Uh, and there's like a femme, like femme fatale type figures that uh, convince convince him to fuck them. So they can fuck him over and right. all, 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 sorts, all sorts of shit like that. That's um, a lot of fun and worth watching. It seems like um, it seems just based on the poster and the aesthetics of the poster, it's almost got that like Italian job, like old kind of 50s, 60s style. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That, uh, that's that's kind of like a good a good touch point. Yeah, it's yeah, a, a cool. bit silly, a bit retro, bit of a pastiche. A bit like, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, cool. All right, yeah, I've added this good to fun. my watch list. This seems I, I love John Hamm. I'm I'm keen on this. This seems good. Also, he's like an and underrated ninety minutes underrated comedic actor. I really like his comedic performances. Yeah, me too. Yeah, nice. All right, I'll go with one. Um, you talked about uh, loving that Wes Anderson's kind of got this like almost like high school play production. Uh, approach and I watched a movie Andrew that I have recommended to you here. called Theater Camp, <laughs> um, which is about yeah. a yeah a theater camp. Funnily enough, welcome auditioners. You guys are so talented, so unbelievable. This will break you. This will fully destroy you. Congratulations on being the most talented kids at camp. Starfish, starfish, jiggle like a jackal, jiggle like a jackal. These are the things we can do with masks. These people are really weird. That's a good song she was making, right? I do believe her as a French prostitute. Famous. Oh, I'm sorry. Sex worker. Thank you. Sad news. I will not be doing piercings anymore in the hut because there's a narc amongst us. Um, Cassie has narked. It's totally fine. Basically, the setup is um, it's a mockumentary, uh, which don't let that put you off if you're not a big fan because it's a very light touch mockumentary um but it uh so it, it it's this um there's these two middle-aged women that run a a theater camp that only operates in the summer and so this sort of the introduction or the prelude is these uh these two women touring around to different schools trying to recruit kids to come along to this summer theater camp because they need the they need the season to be good or else they can't operate like yeah. you know the rest of the year so um yeah. they go to see a high school production of bye bye birdie and uh one of the one of the women Joan is like well really well known to people who come to the camp they sort of come to the camp <clears throat> kind of for Joan and um this this at one point in a dance sequence there's a strobe effect and Joan uh has an epileptic seizure and falls into a coma <laughs> oh, uh, and it's the first day that this mockumentary has been shooting so they put up this title card saying one day into shooting the subject of our documentary had fallen into a coma and then the next so title a, card sorry, is just so it's a fake it's a fake mockumentary it's a it's a mockumentary it's a real it's not a real documentary so she hasn't really had a stroke no, she, th- these are all characters. It's just that it, the setup is that there's a documentary crew making a documentary on this theater camp. It's a normal mockumentary. It yes. All right, I'm stupid. Sorry, I, I, I don't know how that confused you, but right. that's what a mockumentary no, no, is. I, yeah. I, 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 I thought like, oh, Kenny, Kenny is real, but they're being no. a bit silly. But no, no, Kenny is fake, and it's all fake. All, all right, of it's great. fake. Sorry. 
Who the fuck sorry, is I'm Kenny? Gonna, carry it. Have you seen Kenny, the the toilet documentary? Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so that they then they put this next title card up that just says the decision was made to continue filming, and then like that's the <laughs> that's the setup. And so like um, what happens is Joan, who's the woman that is in the coma, her son is this like <laughs> so uh, tech bro YouTube entrepreneur, insufferable kind of like yo Great. what up Imagine. style, and he's played by Jimmy Tatro, who. As soon as I saw him come up in the trailer, I was like, holy shit, is that Jimmy Tatro? Because he was like, he was like a Vine star. Like, he was one of the first, right. like, YouTube sketch comics that I ever saw when I was, yeah, like, I've 14 years old. I've never life. seen him in a movie. And all of a sudden, I was like, holy fuck, that's Jimmy Tatro. And he, he, he struck me as, like, a guy that was, like, really very intelligent. But he looks like the epitome of, like, a frat moron. And so he's yeah, he always does. kind of lent against that type of like he's playing stupid people, but he's playing them in a really clever and funny way. And that is exactly what he's doing in this. So he basically comes in, he's decided to run the camp in his mother's stead, yeah. and no one knows him, no one likes him. They all uh, immediately pick up on how pathetic and insufferable he is, and no one has any fucking oh, this respect fun. for him. What's this but- on? Nothing. Uh, it might still be showing in um, cinemas, but I think maybe it's up on, if you've got a VPN, maybe you'll be able to watch it on Amazon Video. You might have to buy it, but it should be up on stuff pretty soon. Uh, I saw it in, in cinemas Molly- within the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Yes. So the cast Molly is Gordon looks really familiar. Stacked. Molly Gordon's from The Bear, but also from... Um, yes! But also from Shiver Baby. Um yeah, and okay. uh, yeah, she's fucking great. But actually, there's a I, I'll I won't bother to try and summarize like the kind of how this got made. But long story short, her and Ben Platt have known each other for a really long time, and they right. wrote and directed it. Um, oh, sorry, they didn't. She oh, she cool. co-directed it and co-wrote it. But there's a bunch of overlap between like who made this movie because basically, um, not in the story but in real life, this is just a bunch of people who were all kind of friends that. Uh, had so much fun making this movie about this theater camp. So I guess the overarching plot is like um, they all... Uh, so the, the kids get divided into like basically groups uh, of like some of you are going to be dance specialists and some of you are going to be like putting on these various productions. But then the, the kind yeah. of tension in the story is every year Ben Platt and Molly Gordon... Um, who are like best friends that have been at the camp for like 11 years and teach every year, write their own new musical production and then put that on. And all all of the best kids are selected to be in that musical production. And so they haven't, by the time the story starts filming, they haven't started writing it yet. So they have to write it and teach the kids it, but not let them know that they are still writing it and haven't finished it at all yet. And then they've got like three weeks to, be like ready to put the production on in front of everyone's friends and family and stuff. And also Jimmy Tatro is like battling because the camp is like in deep financial trouble and the banks yeah, are going to come no, after okay. them and all that You've kind of stuff. You've got me interested. I want to watch it. so fucking uh, funny. And Ben Platt- Apparently there's a short was film like, as well. Yeah, it was based on a short which filmed I think just before COVID or during COVID or something. So yeah. yeah. I won't sort of talk too much about it, but- um, it's one of the funniest movies I've seen in a very long time. I was, I had, oh, I got so huge. much enjoyment out of it. 
Uh, you there's lots of like before. I I've, I talked about it in the group chat and I recommended it, but um, yeah, but yeah, okay. it's All it's right. really really good. I think you'd really love it. Um, Ben Platt is uh the guy that did uh Dear Evan Hansen, which was that movie that got made out of the play, and they cast him to be like a teenager. So I kind of thought he was okay. like a bit of a shit actor because he got made fun of so much for this Dear Evan Hansen stuff. But he yeah. is unbelievably good he's so fucking funny <laughs> his line delivery is perfect he really hits the dramatic moments when he needs to it's it was one of my favorite like just all of the performances in it are, are fantastic um and uh there's a a particular character um called glenn uh played by noah galvin that is like one of my favorite um uses of a character in a really long time so glenn is like the stage manager so he's like doing all of the the um production stuff he's like head of the the people that wear blacks and move stuff around on stage (laughs) and um yeah yeah what they do with his character how he's so uh sort of underappreciated by everyone until like the final act of the film is so good like really really bold don't tell me anything else i want to see it yeah sounds great it's genuine it's one of those rare scripts where it's like a comedy where everyone's having fun but the actual plot is really well written and there's like great payoffs for most characters like unexpected but really kind of surprising and and pleasant um really really fucking good so i would highly highly recommend that was theater camp it only came out this year so that was sick that was great I'll have to try and catch it in the cinema. And also it does like the it does the succession thing where it's mockumentary in sort of the background, but and there's a lot of like handheld kind of camera stuff that looks like a documentary crew. But no one ever talks to camera and when they have dramatic moments, they have over the shoulder normal narrative style filmmaking. So it's very seamless and doesn't really feel like too much of a mockumentary if you're not normally into that kind of stuff. So that's very that's yeah, mostly cool. just for humor. If you watch Succession and didn't mind the fact that that was shot like a mockumentary, then this is exactly <laughs> the same. So yeah, it's really good. Sounds good. Keen to watch it. Yeah. Um, I'll mention two quickly before uh, I go into that next one. I want to talk about this is my last one. I think. Yeah. So, sure. Um, very very quickly. Uh, the whole time we've been doing the pod, and I've been mentioning how much I love when Harry met Sally. Um, I've never rewatched it. But mm-hmm. I've always thought it's like a perfect rom-com. Uh, I went to New York for a holiday, yep. partly because I like a lot of the stuff set in New York, including When Harry Met Sally. Visited a lot of the When Harry Met Sally famous filming places. places when I was there, like the park and specific like restaurants and stuff. Mm. Uh, and then watched it on the plane on the way back. Fucking loved it. Still holds Great. up. Such a beautiful movie. Uh, great romance drama can recommend uh i watched crazy stupid love which oh um, banger i watched that recently as well yeah a lot of fun but the specific scene where there's like a big reveal between like three or four different people and it's <laughs> the, it's, it's commonly shared on instagram and so it, you'd I, already it seen it the whole movie for me yeah yeah and so i think if that had come as a surprise i would have liked it much more um the fact that that wasn't a surprise coupled with lots of like sitcom-y communication-y type stuff where my thought was just like, well, this could have like, why, why, why aren't they just talking about this type of stuff? Meant that yeah, I, the movie didn't quite hold up as much as I thought. That's a lot sucks. of fun still. The movie I want to talk about mainly that I had a lot of fun with. Again, great movie to watch on a plane. I watched the Weird Al movie. 
Oh, uh, what is, is it? High, high Fidelity or something? What's it called? No, the no, 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 no. Sorry, not... No, not the one that he did in the eighties. Like oh, the not new the the edge biopic of. about. Oh, Weird Al. the Daniel Radcliffe one. Yeah, with Daniel it. Radcliffe in it. Yeah, cool. Okay, uh, it's so much fun, man. So it, it's it's a tongue in cheek kind of parody of biopics. Yeah, uh, and it's produced and sort of partly Weird Al is involved in it. So um, it's all complete lies about yes. Weird Al. Yeah, there's no. Um, there's like, a whole sequence. It's not a real where he, biopic. Like, seduces. Yeah. He seduces Madonna and Madonna is his girlfriend. And then him and Madonna go and like overthrow a Vietnamese dictator. Right. Uh, there's like um, <laughs> so much stupid shit. They deliberately. So uh, Daniel Radcliffe does a fine American accent, but it's nowhere close to Weird Al's, Weird Al's voice. Right. Sure. Uh, and so they do this thing where Daniel Radcliffe will be talking as Weird Al. And then as soon as the music cuts in, it just plays the Weird Al tracks. Right. Uh, and it's deliberately like really jarring. Like clearly not him singing. Um, all the all the like um, like in like in the Bohemian Rhapsody movie, like that like wow the moment they come up with uh, a famous song. Yeah, and there's this like iconic you know montage of you know Freddie Mercury coming up with like another one bites the dust or Bohemian mm. Rhapsody or whatever. Um, they have that, but when he's coming up with like. Um, Another one rides Dare the to be bus. stupid or something, yeah. Uh, yeah, and people, all his friends are like crying about how beautiful and how crazy it is that he's coming <laughs> up with like my Bologna instead of my Sharona. Yep. Uh, they're like, watch, he's doing it. Uh, lots of fun. Incredibly stupid. Uh, l- highly recommended. I think you probably, I don't know whether you need to like Weird Al or not, but I, I, I still respect the shit out of the fact that... Um, Daniel Radcliffe, since doing the Harry Potter stuff, has just continued to do really weird left of center picks. <laughs> like he projects he works on. I am so keen to watch another one of his recent projects, which is um, the Toxic Avenger, which is directed by uh, Macon. I think it's Macon Blair, who was in. He was. He, uh, if you remember Green Room, I think you were asleep for most of it. But um, he's yep. the guy that uh, he's in uh, Green Room and Blue Ruin. Um, but he's like the guy that um, helps. He's like the the guy that actually kind of runs the bar, not the one, not the owner. Yeah, but the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you probably have seen him and stuff. I think also actually weirdly he was in Oppenheimer for like five seconds, which Great. is pretty cool. But love that. Um, but yeah, he, his new movie is like kind of a uh, a um, uh, subversion or like a parody of a lot of like superhero movies and it's got um, Elijah Wood playing like this insane uh, disgusting version of the Penguin and um, Daniel Radcliffe oh, I think I've it. seen clips of that oh, yeah. you know, I'll watch that I mean yeah. the fact that Daniel, Rac- Daniel Radcliffe and Elijah Wood are both dudes that were in huge Hollywood movies yeah. and now just do weird shit they just so. do the weirdest <laughs> fucking scripts yeah. I'll watch that That's yeah funny. Swiss Army Man is a perfect example so yeah I'm really keen to watch this yeah. and, and I'm looking out for Toxic Avenger as well yeah. Okay. I got nothing else Neat. to talk about. Uh, have okay. you got one more thing uh, before we wrap up? I will. I will just blast through a few because I've got the new iPod. I've got a couple of um, really good racks. Uh, so you and uh, you watch BlackBerry um, based on my recommendation. Another weirdly mockumentary. Oh, yeah. They're in big. Uh, they're in yep. vogue right now. Picture a cell phone and an email machine all in one thing. What do you call it? It's called a BlackBerry. Guys, I have no idea how to run a company. If we put more phones on these networks, they're going to crash. You said they're the best engineers in the world. I said they're the best engineers in Canada. 
entire created this entire market. In the middle of a hostile takeover. Blackberry is one of my favorite yeah, that movies that I've watched in quite a while. Um, I really, really loved it. I think uh, it didn't yeah. hit for me in the same way as it hit for you. I've got it here as yeah. a three and a half, and I remember enjoying it, but I think it was like a empty cinema type thing as well. Like, yeah, it's um, a little bit polarizing as well, but I just thought it was, I don't know, uh, something about it really hit for me. It was directed by Matt Johnson, who is in, uh, who was like really got his uh, fame from Nirvana this sketch comedy group, Nirvana the Band the Show. Um, if you've seen yeah. the, the the famous like Wii Shop sketch where they make a song <laughs> yeah. out of the, the Wii Shop titles, he's in that. And he, uh, he's, he directed this and wrote it. It was an adaptation of a book, but the book was like not narrative. It was more factual about the rise and fall of Blackberry, the company. Um, and so it's yeah. sort of, I think this is heavily inspired by like um, Adam McKay doing his like uh, half narrative documentary style stuff um, because it felt very similar. But again, like no one talking to camera or anything like that. Uh, but every performance in this is like just perfect. I think pitch perfect. Um, Jay it's, Baruchel. It's really funny. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I Googled it later and he's taken so much poetic license with the source yep. material. Like his his character doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. It's a he's In, I think he's oh. done what you talked about, Wes not wanting to do, where he's amalgamated a few of the Sorry, uh, yeah, Nolan. He's amalgamated a few of the characters. His character with the headband yep. is just a normal computer nerd guy in yep. real life. Yeah. And he was like, no, I'm going to make him a crazy guy with a headband. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's a lot of fun. I, I had think heaps he's, of fun with it. Yeah, capturing the sort of... He's he's trying to make the most entertaining thing that he can. And I think the, the, the narrative beats of like what happens to Blackberry as a company is kind of largely accurate to real life. But the... Yeah. the, the the characters and the figures that he's talking about are um uh definitely more of of, um yeah just elaborated on a a lot so um the highlight for me is uh glenn howton from always sunny in philadelphia um he plays like this like shark kind of cutthroat businessman uh based on a real guy called jim balsillie um and he craziest haircut i mean he's he's gone like unbelievable Larry David. <laughs> yeah it, it's so fucking good um so i i think if you're interested in like stuff that's based on real real life um or even just like i don't know it's an interesting premise of like blackberry at one point had like a 85 percent market share or something of mobile phones and now they're embarrassing yeah. oh, and weird to own one and hearing <laughs> the rise and fall of that company is is really fantastic so um, I loved it. Yeah, I think it Matt fun. Johnson is like one of my new favorite filmmakers. Um, I think the writing was fucking excellent. Uh, and uh, as you said, really, really funny and kind of hard to make this this kind of thing funny unless you're intentionally writing it as like a comedy. But I really still like the dramatic beats. I thought it was really good. It's like almost, I think it's a 10 out of 10 for me. Um, it's, it's That's crazy. Per- I think it's perfectly kind of doing what it's trying to do. So... Um, huge respect for Blackberry. I really liked it. Um, <laughs> I watched... Talk to Me, which is directed by. Oh, I was going to uh, mention that as well. I Michael love and Danny Filippo. Talk to me. I didn't really. I wasn't in a great mood when I watched it, and I think that kind of made me um, like just not have a great time with it. Um, it's like a three and a half star. I could tell it was really well made, and it didn't do a lot of the stuff that a normal like shitty horror movie would do. So I thought it was kind of doing some interesting stuff. Oh. It's not really a genre. I was- that I get a lot of value out of a lot of the time. And so I don't think a lot of the stuff that people really enjoyed about it is just stuff that personally I enjoy as a viewer. 
Um, the, f- the fact I, that I don't often click with horror movies is one of the things I liked about it because I actually yeah. found it scary right, uh, and sure. really confronting. And the, the bits that I didn't like were the bits where it was kind of just gross or... Yeah, I, I looked away for some, a few bits. There was a spew or poo stuff that... I, I can't remember something about that kind of kind of level of gross out stuff. One of the I characters like wasn't crazy about beats himself up incredibly violently and there's stuff with like an That's eye. That's right. And uh, I, that I I wasn't I, crazy about. I had my head there turned away. There was lots away. of confronting. Yeah, yeah. There was I'll lots of confronting stuff that I found really scary and horrifying that I liked. I know someone that worked on this movie as a third AD, and so like some of the work yeah. that they did, where they had to direct a, a, a sequence with like 200 extras, um, was like really impressive. And I think that. Uh, kind of I was watching it a little bit like oh how did they make this and like the way that it's made is very very good it's very well shot it's very well lit it's uh, the execution is really good I think a lot of the performances are very physical and demanding and were quite like they could have been really goofy but they pulled it off really authentically so um, no sort of shade on uh, the production of the film I think it's a very very well made horror movie and it's of a quality that a lot of these kinds of horror movies often fall very short of. So I think it was yeah, a really well made movie. movie. Yeah, but I just didn't, uh, you know, it's A24. Like, yeah, I, I just didn't, it, I think it's just not the type of movie that I really um, enjoy and get a lot out of. So that was personally why I didn't oh, enjoy I it. it. But if you're that's a big crazy. fan of horror movies, people really, really liking it. So, and also, yeah, Australian yeah, movies. Yeah. So that's great. Um, the one that I watched that is I guess. Lucky is, last? Yeah, this is the last one. Uh, I watched Past Lives, which is uh, a 2023 I've film heard from a lot of people fucking loving this film. Celine this movie. Song, yeah. There's a word in Korean, inyon. It means providence or fate. Do you believe in that? That's just something Koreans say to seduce someone. good story this is childhood sweethearts who reconnect 20 years later and realize they were meant for each other in the story i would be the evil white american husband standing in the way of destiny shut up i i really liked it too um i think so the the setup is that there's these two kids who grew up in korea nora and Sung. um their childhood friends uh they go on a cute little date and then uh, mm. Nora finds out uh, that her family is emigrating to Canada, and so she's leaving. They're like, sh- I think she's right. like nine or something. She's quite young, and um, they sort of reconnect after a long time of not having talked. They, they, there's like, you know, one of them sends a Facebook message to the other one, and and so it sort of just reignites this kind of conversation from these people who had this yeah. really strong connection when they were children. Um, and it's, so it's sort of a story about, um, uh, it's a migrant story. Um, and it's about this, uh, there's this kind of like, uh, concept running through it, um, of this, uh, unfortunately I can't remember the Korean word for it, but it's like where people, um, have, uh, have met each other and have had connections in past lives and, um, they, uh, I think it's called Inyun, maybe, if I'm getting that wrong, sorry. But the idea is that the more you build up this 
force between the two of you across all these past lives, the stronger that your connection will be in the current life that you're living. And people are like drawn together and have this connection. And if you have 8,000 levels of folded Indian, um, that's like an inseparable kind of bond and something you'll form like a proper, really intense connection in this life that you're in currently. Um, and, uh, the I guess like midway through the film, the, the main thing that happens is that um, Sung, who's the guy that's still living in Korea, decides to come and visit and he, he's going on a holiday to America. And so um, it's about uh, his hopes and expectations and Nora's hopes and expectations, but she's kind of built up this really different life for herself here. And it's like, how much do they still share from when they were children and how much do they share with each other, uh, with each other as adults? Um, and am I right in thinking that the impression I've got from other people is that there's a bit of a, they're not sure if there's going to be a romantic connection type thing or not? Yeah. So Nora it, yeah. Uh, has, without wanting to give away too much of the plot, um, but Nora yeah, yeah, yeah. also has uh, a, a partner um, that she's with, who's played by John Magaro, who is in First Cow and also The Big Short. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's yeah. fucking great. Uh, Greta Lee plays the main character. She's great too. Um and yeah, so it's sort of about this like kind of um, why people fall in love with each other and how it feels to have this like idea of someone in your head that you hold on to for a really long time and whether or not that and what meaning you might imbue to that and whether or not that meaning what that what that might mean to them and what that means to you and all that kind of stuff. So it's quite beautiful. Um, this is right up my alley. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think you'd probably really enjoy it. Um, and it's very sort of sweet and tender and uh, sometimes sad, but generally just a really excellent sort of dramatic piece. I wouldn't rate it as highly as I would rate After Sun, and they're very different movies, but for some reason I just kind of found myself thinking of After Sun a little bit. I think it's about watching these like people of different ages and the generations and how something can mean something to you when you're young that means something completely different when you're grown up and you're looking at it in a different light. Um, but, yeah, I'll have, yeah. I, th- I think I'm going to watch. I think out of all the movies that we've talked about, I think that's top of my list at the moment. I've got yeah, so many people yeah. have talked about loving it. I've got so many different perspectives that also similar kind of shit where it sounds like it's right, right up my street. Yeah, cried um, twice during it, and that's usually a pretty good sign for a movie. So um, really, really loved it. It's not... It doesn't do anything horrible. Like, it's just very... It's sort of... Um, the scale of the story is quite small, but, you know, the the um, importance of what happens to the characters is, is huge. So, um, yeah, I think it's cool. a very... Okay, well, don't, 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 don't tell me No, I won't talk about anything say. else that happens, but I think it's a debut feature maybe from Celine Song, but she's Love been it. directing plays for, like, 15 years. Um, so, it's very... Very well made, very well shot. Um, and yeah, the music is really good. Uh, so yeah, hi- highly recommend that one as well. Bunch of good movies I've watched recently, not very many duds. So yeah, that's Damn. my, that's it. That's that's what right, I've been well, watching. So I hope you all enjoyed this little roundup. This is the first time that Andrew and I have caught up about movies and stuff uh, on or off mic anyway. So yeah, we enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, don't know when the next one's going to be, but you know, probably a few weeks from now, we'll hopefully post another one or get our asses into gear and start uh, start thinking about organizing recording ones. So you'll yeah, hear about us. Yeah, do it in two you hear from weeks, us yeah. soon enough. Yeah, all right. Um, well, thanks for listening. Uh, email us. That's probably all we got. Feel free to email us if you want to drop us any lines. If you're worried we're dead, we'll send you a sign on life if you email us. Uh, yep. 
Otherwise, uh, stay tuned. If there is anything we decide we want to watch for next week, we're going to drop it in the description for this week. But I imagine there's probably going to be another catch-up next time. So uh, Yeah, and if uh, you watch something tuned. that we talked about and you loved it or you hated it, just like, yeah, shoot us a shoot us a message, post in the Beef Station yeah, Facebook yeah. page, send us an email. We'd love to... We, we don't get too much like interaction from people, but we'd love to hear whether or not you think we're fucking idiots or whether or not you got a new favorite <laughs> movie because of something we talked about. So, yeah. For sure. All right. Bye, love you, miss you, bye. Okay, thanks, folks. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. 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 Bye.